This is Rosemary Coates at the Reshoring Institute. Over the past uh, few months, we've been talking a lot about all kinds of aspects of reshoring and uh, how to make manufacturing work in America, or at the very least, to reshore into Mexico. Uh, and there are multiple aspects to it. But uh, today, I'm really excited to talk about even another angle uh, that we should be considering when talking about reshoring, and that is the government. How does the government affect uh, what we're doing in terms of global supply chains as well as manufacturing? So today, my guest is Jack Pellegrino, who is the Director of Purchasing and Contracting for the County of San Diego, which is the fifth largest county in the U.S. with over 3.3 million residents, really huge. Uh, and the Department of Purchasing and Contracting uh, at, the, at the County of San Diego uh, lets about 100, 1,200 contracts per year um, that support the government as well as the citizens of San Diego. And uh, he spends, his spend is $1.9 billion a year. So he's a lot to say about how to spend money. Uh, Jack, by way of introduction, is also the managing director at the Supply Chain Management Institute at the University of San Diego. And full disclosure, I'm on the board, uh, I'm on his board, uh, and we decide, the board decides with Jack's leadership, what kind of classes and, and, and what kind of programs are taught to students that are studying global supply chain management at USD, as well as community outreach. So a lot of programs that service the community as well. So welcome, Jack. Good to see you. Well, thank you. Rosemary, thank you so much for inviting me today. I'm excited to um, expose government procurement to our, our listeners today and answer some of your questions and really be part of this conversation. It's been a pleasure to, to work with you over the last several months. So, um, Terrific. So, Jack, tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you how you come to be involved in procurement and contracting over your career. Well, like many of us, I think many of the professionals in the um, uh, chairman and acquisition uh, space right now, I started out with an economics degree, and I uh, my first position was with in the aerospace industry, and I was uh, a buyer for uh, TRW, and then I moved to, to use aircraft. So I was I grew up in the aerospace industry, um, always in the um, supply chain management or the purchasing department. And then half of my career, I was doing that. Then I uh, worked for um, um, an engineering company called Science Applications International here in San Diego. And just about um, to, uh, 11 years ago, so I joined the County of San Diego as their director of purchasing. So I've been blessed with having been on both sides of the buying as well as the selling. Uh, for what we need to do for our customers. Ah, terrific. Yeah, long background, lots of history, lots of uh, 
accolades. I know you've won a lot of awards and so forth. It's just terrific. We're, we're really pleased to have you today. So what's different about government procurement from procurement in the private sector? Well, I would say, um, let me first say, say that the fundamentals are absolutely uh, consistent. Whether you're um, a procurement official for a Fortune 500 or even a smaller company, uh, you're using the same, a lot of the same techniques, principles, uh, methodologies that I use in the public sector. Um, really what's different, fundamentally the differences are when I'm buying on behalf of the County of San Diego or any public entity, it is the amount of rigor of documentation and due diligence that we're doing um, that I need to um, document in almost every case, why I have selected this vendor over X vendor over another vendor. And really, um, the, the, one of the watchwords that you'll, you'll hear in the public sector is that we have to have um, transparency and integrity of the competitive process. Uh, you'll also hear that, that we, are, we espouse to have uh, full and open competition um, for all the supplies and services that we that we acquire with public funds. So you're procuring not just products, but also logistics services, freight carrier services, warehouse operations, right? All of those things. Correct. Um, many times uh, we rely on our. Uh, our manufacturers to ensure that the product gets to um, where we need to have it when we need to have it. Um, many of the public organizations no no longer um, run our own warehousing operations. Some still do, uh, but we really do rely on the private sector, especially the the freight forwarders and the the warehousing infrastructure that we have in the private sector to get our supplies to where they need to be when we need to uh, when we need to deliver them to our departments so we can service the the county citizens of San Diego County. Gotcha. So in the in the uh, private sector so people that are providing warehousing services for example or freight services might contract through uh, through the manufacturer but also through you uh, to provide those kind of services. Gotcha. So um so how, I mean, you're spending the taxpayer money, right? And I would right. assume that means you do lots of heavy negotiation and the expectation is the pricing is going to be different from the, from the private sector when you're in the public sector. How do you, how do you protect our, our taxpayer dollars that we all work so hard uh, to pay into the government? Well, um, really, again, it's it's a lot of the same concepts. Um, whether I, when I was in the private sector, buying on behalf of my my um, my companies, uh, whether it be TRWUs, aircraft, SAIC, we were always looking to ensure that we had um, our shareholders' value at, at at heart, that we weren't overpaying for any supplies or services. Uh, likewise, in the public sector, uh, what that what that translates to is um, we um, do ask, we do, we do a fair amount of research. And again, we rely on competitive solicitation techniques to ensure that we're getting 
the now current um, fair market price. Um, clearly, we're in a, a situation where uh, with our inflationary pressures and what's going on in the supply chain, um, that the pricing isn't um, has has increased over uh, the recent couple years. But um, so we're trying to ensure that whatever prices we are paying are fair in today's current market value. Uh, one of the things, um, and, and one of the things I might add, um, there's a miss, I guess, a miss, an urban legend that government always buys at the lowest price. Um, that is sort of an urban legend that's not necessarily true all the time. We do use best value techniques uh, now, so uh, price and other factors. So we look at uh, the same thing commercial enterprises look at, um, the quantities of our buy, the availability of those supplies and services, and then uh, we evaluate based on that to come up with a best value um, decision in many cases, which may not be the lowest price. So if if I were a warehouse operator and I was trying to contract with the uh, the, the county of San Diego, I might uh, might not have the lowest price, but I might have better uh, on time deliveries or fulfillment rates or uh, or quality or accuracy or something like that. So you would evaluate the whole profile. Is that is that what you're talking about? Correct. And and one of the the big things I kind of left off is. Every one of our solicitations, and this is a little bit different than this is one of the uh, distinguishing characteristics between uh, the public sector and, and other segments, is all of my solicitations are publicly posted on our internet site at the County of San Diego. You can go to under business, you can come over to uh, um, um, my department's name under business purchasing and contracting, and you'll see a system called Binet. Everything I'm buying is posted on there. So every solicitation that's active, if you went out there now, there's probably over 100 solicitations that are active. And so that's the primary way that we allow our marketplace to know that we're looking for something. So in that, we will, um, in the solicitations, we will outline uh, what our priorities are, uh, what our evaluation criteria is, and in many cases, um, Rosemary, you will you will see it'll be clear that it's a best value award, and we will look things like um, other factors, not just the quality of the product, but um, innovation that can help us be more efficient, more effective, and really give a best. Um, I'll call it the best solution for not only the county and our departments, but also by extension to our, our citizens and taxpayers. So can you, um, can you walk us through, can you walk us through what those solicitations look like? I mean, so, okay. And sure. if I were trying to sell you services, I would go to the website and try to find that buy section uh, and then respond to the, to the RFP, I guess. Um, right. Is that right? So, Exactly. Let me walk you through the, I'll call it uh, the hierarchy of the four solicitations that we use. Uh, the first being, um, it's more traditional where you, it's called a request for bid. So that's where truly 
Um, there are some situations that under state of California law, what's called the public contracting code, I have to contract on lowest responsive bid or pricing. Um, so that would be a straight, you know, we put specifications for the product or this or the service. Um, and we'll, the lowest, uh, we'll have a bid opening and the lowest evaluate the lowest submitted price provided um, they're responsive and responsible, will uh, achieve the award. Um, the, the, the second and probably the most frequent method we use is what's called an RFP that you mentioned, request for proposal. That's where it's best value. It may, um, proposals are submitted in response to what our priorities are, and we look at price and other factors to come to the best value award. We also have for smaller awards, um, for awards or activities that are under $250,000 in total, we will have what's, what's called a request for quotation. And those are, are, are both goods and services that are um, non-repetitive uh, uh, and are under $250,000 where we still use a best value award, but it's a less formal process. Um, in, in, and then lastly, we have something called um, a request for statement of qualifications. Uh, other entities, you may hear people call it a, um, uh, a bidder's list. So what we do is establish a list of qualified contractors, um, and then we will, when we have opportunities or needs, we solicit from that pre-established list. We most often use that for our, uh, when we're doing architecture and engineering and program management services, we'll use an RFSQ to establish a, I'll call it a cadre of, of firms that can beat our, meet our needs over, say, a year. Do you have, uh, is there any requirement, um, as the federal government has, for Buy America or Buy American uh, goods? So any percentage of things that you buy that need to be manufactured in the, in the U.S.? Well, I, um, let's see. First of all, much, um, a fair amount of my funds do come directly from the federal um, government. So, for example, our, our, I'll note our transportation dollars most notably come from the federal, from federal dollars. And as such, uh, Rosemary, we'll, we will follow those requirements that are in our, um, our, our prime, our, our funding source. Um, and they would include, in some cases, um, material requirements or product requirements that would be here uh, in the U.S. Um, However, at the at the county level, we do not have any specific requirements to buy an American. We do have um, an ordinance that it's in the county of San Diego to buy within the region. Um, so we call it a um, a local business um, desire to to support our local San Diego region um, in businesses. So we do have a preference program for that. So do we. <laughs> We we like to have all kinds of stuff bought uh, locally or at least in the U.S. I think it's so important to rebuild manufacturing in America right now. Um, and, of Absolutely. course, the, with the three big uh, funding acts, uh, federal funding acts, the uh, 
Inflation Reduction Act and the Chips and Science Act and the uh, Infrastructure Act, all three of those are putting billions of dollars into manufacturing in the U.S. And so there should be more, uh, you know, over time, uh, there should be more capability in America. So there's more uh, potential suppliers that uh, can offer goods that are actually made in America. So let's let's talk for a minute about um, about procuring infrastructure in San Diego. Are you doing things like EV battery charging stations? Are those your responsibility, or does that go to someone else? No, um, um, it would be my responsibility. And and I think to to take us back a second, I think you'd be very pleased in some of my metrics that we've already achieved for our local awards. Uh, so last year of the, you mentioned in our opening that I, I awarded about, um, a little bit over 1200 contracts last year. Um, uh, of that, those contracts, over half of them were for local awards here in the, in the San Diego region. So it was firms that have either a headquarters here or a major operating facility. And that represented $2.7 billion of future spent. Um, so if you looked at my metrics right now, my local spend of, um, uh, was a significant of the, of the $1.9 million, uh, well over a billion of that was local spend by local. So what, what kind of things are we talking about when you, when you say local spend, is it services mostly, or are you buying products? It's, it's the full gamut. Um, because I do buy everything, um, from, uh, health and human services to parks and recreation to libraries. And that's, that's the real blessing that we have here in the San Diego County is it's kind of a unique job I have because San Diego region is so large. Uh, geographically, uh, we are larger in the San Diego region than the state of Connecticut. Okay. Wow. Just physically, because we go from, as you know, we go from the border all the way north to San Onofre. And I always tell people that you may not realize this, but San, and, San Onofre and um, Pendleton is part of San Diego County. Oh. And they go, really? Uh, so you're talking about the San Onofre uh, nuclear plant, right? Correct. We and... are. That's part of San Diego County. And okay. then we go all the way up to Camp Pendleton. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And we go all the way up to Borrego Springs to the to the north and you know we have riverside there but all the way over to imperial county so there's really an opportunity for us geographically um you know the breadth and and depth of our business and industrial base in this reading region is is really phenomenal and so we look to maximize that with our spend um you know kind of moving on to your other question about what do i buy it's everything from um the full gamut of services and construction services, we we have a fair number of buildings we put up from time to time. But it's also infrastructure, especially now as we move. The county has um, a very aggressive um, climate action plan, and part of that is uh, we are elect we are electrifying our fleet of vehicles um, over time, and that includes the charging stations that you that you mentioned. The challenge I have is I need those charging stations to be available to us, not only here around my, my, my operations headquarters, which is in Claremont Mesa, but also out in Borrego Springs. Because as you know, you get back in the back country, 
um, and there's very limited infrastructure built there. So that's something we're we're seriously talking about, and through the work that we're doing, we're actually going to be investing in that pretty heavily over the next few years. So talk to us about what happened during the pandemic. So I know you had, a, as all of us did, lots of changes working from home and uh, being, you know, sequestered in California. We were on uh, lockdown for a couple of months, which was just maddening, right? Uh, but you had some stories to tell, too, I guess, uh, uh, about PPE supplies. Can you share with us some of those stories? Oh, yes. I, they're still fresh in my mind, and I guess it will be one of those things that will be forever in my my historical career of a defining moment. We, like everyone, um, I, I would say, Rosemary, we in government maybe weren't as attuned to the supply chain prior to the pandemic that suddenly it was thrust upon us during the pandemic. And, and oh, yeah. I, I mean, I that's, that's really true for everybody. That's really true for everybody. I, you know, I, I used to tell people what I did for a living. Somebody would ask, you know, and I'd say, oh, supply chain management and their eyes would sort of glaze over. And, right. Um, right. And they were like, Better. let's move to the bar. I mean, not not interesting at all. These days, right. supply chain management is front page news, headline news in the Wall Street Journal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, I, I was fortunate here because of my experience and because of the way the county of San Diego was run was run previously or is run. I had a seat at the table of the executive leadership table from day one. During the pandemic, that was even more important. One of the stories I'll share with you is the um, governments, myself included, were really of the mindset just in time. Um. We were not looking very deep or deep or wide in our supply chain. We just, we would order something and it would come in. We weren't that concerned about the supply chain. Suddenly we're thrust in the middle of, of the, of the, uh, of the pandemic and everything I needed, uh, was somewhere. It could be in a ship that was in Long Beach Harbor, as you remember those days because we couldn't get them unloaded, right? Um, or we couldn't, uh, the manufacturers didn't have the raw materials they needed to, to build our supplies. Most notably, I will talk about um, N95 masks that we were all uh, looking for. Um, and unfortunately, many of us had already, um, you know, for years we were under, we had bought the 3M um uh, surgical N95 masks. Well, suddenly they became an extreme short supply, um, and all of us were competing for the same limited resources. So, uh, what we ended up doing, Rosemary, was was really really kind of neat. Uh, myself and uh, my colleague from LA County called me on a Friday afternoon. I'll never forget this, and said, "Hey, would you like to go in?" on a new deal. And I asked him, well, what are you talking about, Michael? He said, well, the N95 masks are going to be produced by Honeywell in the U.S. in Arizona. And he goes, I'm going to buy $35 million. And I said, Michael, I just need $5 million for San Diego County. And the story went, the result was 
we had those in our warehouse. So this was about the March timeframe. We had over, we had our, I actually bought about 6 million. They were in my warehouse by December of that year. Okay. Um, but it really caused us to rethink, um, our supply chain and, and our supply chain, our approach to the supply chain and look for alternative solutions that we may not have considered in the past. And those, by the way, those, those N95 masks were NOS certified as well as, um, CDC approved. So, or FDA approved. So the crisis allowed us to take a different look at the supply chain, which we had never done before. So uh, different inventory management policies then, right? Keeping stock on hand for certain supplies, which is a difficult inventory uh, problem to manage, right? Because you have to to make sure you're rotating the inventory and using up stuff that doesn't it doesn't expire and all of that, right? Yeah, we the other anecdotal story I can share with you is we had in our warehouse something like three hundred thousand older N95 masks that were there for a pretty long period of time. We went to take them out of storage and all the elastic on them had deteriorated. So probably the one of the most interesting purchases of one of my my team members made was we bought a million rubber bands. And a yes, million rubber bands. Okay. We we retrofitted the elastic on the mass to make them usual with um you know non lasic uh, I found out a lot about rubber bands um that there is a, <laughs> a, a non latex um version you can get that had to be a certain intensity so it would actually hold the mask on uh and then we um we got a local uh nonprofit organization the rock church and they actually provided the labor for us to replace all the elastic on these um on these masks to make them usable, uh, which, you know, it was quite, was, was American ingenuity at, at its finest. I, I, yeah, I that's great. we bought the million arbor bands. Uh, somebody was like, we, um, the, uh, the supplier we called and they were up in San Bernardino said, did you put a wrong decimal point in your order? You wanted <laughs> how many boxes? And we said, everything you have and they go and we got them in in three days so wow well that's terrific thank you thank you jack for joining me today it's been really interesting and uh hopefully you know the the way you're spending money on behalf of taxpayers uh at least in san diego county uh and coordinating with government uh requirements and so forth it's really Really helpful and appreciate your support of, of all of us citizens of California. So thanks again and have a great day. Okay. You too, Rosemary. Thank you. Mm-hmm.